Hello everyone, this is Jemiah Bennett and welcome to Expect the Unexpected. This is a podcast created in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic and its aim is to help you and me get through this difficult time with shared stories and information from experts about self-care. This is a very special episode. It's dedicated to the medical professionals working on the front lines of this very pandemic. As someone who has had personal experience with medical professionals who've made life-changing decisions for myself, friends, and family, I've always had a great appreciation for the work they do. Their resilience and commitment to helping others be as healthy as possible is admirable. People who work in the medical field work long hours, sometimes over 13 hours a day. Some doctors even extend themselves as a resource to their patients well beyond their workday. Recently, the care that medical professionals provide has been appreciated beyond measure. While many of us have the opportunity to do our part to flatten the curve by staying at home and practicing social distancing, they are still putting in so much work, sometimes even double or triple the work they usually would. They're going into work and standing on their feet for 13 hours a day with the N95 mask tightly locked around their mouth and their nose, making it hard for them to breathe properly. They wear these tight masks for so long that there are visible marks cemented on their faces after hours of work. Many of them feel the impact of these long work hours throughout their entire body. It's not just on their face. It's in their stomachs because they often go hours without a break to eat. It's in their legs and in their feet because they often don't take a seat until they get into their cars at the end of their shift. They feel it in their minds as this experience is not only physically tolling, it's mentally and emotionally tolling as well. And this is the case for anyone in the medical field, students, professionals, anyone. Today I'm talking with Emily Zimmer and Nikki Mecca, both juniors at the University of Connecticut who work in the healthcare field. I will also be talking with Dr. Kiona Thompson, a recent medical school graduate who is about to start her practice as a doctor in Los Angeles this June. Nikki has been interested in going into the medical field since she was about five years old and her grandpa had to have open heart surgery. She thought it was amazing how someone could repair part of someone else's body using some of the very advanced research and tools available to people in the medical field. Because of that, Nikki has participated in anything she could to learn as much as possible about the field. For the past few years, she has done that through her role as an EMT, or an emergency medical technician. In this role, she has seen everything from motor vehicle accidents to drug overdoses, assault crises, and everything in between. But responding to the emergency calls of someone who could potentially have COVID-19 has been one of the most unique experiences Nikki has had. I've responded to a couple of calls where the dispatch tells you it's possibly a COVID call. And based on the symptoms the patients have, I personally believe that they had it. Granted, not that I've had that much experience in the medical field as a decent amount of other providers have, but it's probably the weirdest call I've ever seen, for lack of a better phrase. So normally your blood oxygen level saturation is about anywhere between 94 and 100%, and anything below is concerning as an emergency medical provider. And these patients will have oxygen saturations at 52, and they're sitting up talking to you, kind of like going in and out of it. It's just it's weird, for lack of a better term. In a video special by The Atlantic titled Doctors and Nurses Reveal the Devastating Reality of COVID-19, Dr. Muhammad Sayab Penwar, a cardiologist in Louisiana, speaks about a similar experience even after years of practice. Uh, you know, they're they're talking to me like I am talking to you. And then a few hours later, they are, they go into sudden respiratory arrest, they stop breathing, and they need to be intubated. And this is one of the most dramatic things that I've ever seen. Generally, medical professionals are able to help patients through some of their physical pain by trying to help their emotional and mental pain as well. But due to the protocols they have to take, providers are not able to do that with the patients these days. I think the part that frustrates me the most looking back on the calls I've done up to this point is the fact that I really rely on the patient being able to see my face and see my smile to like 
provide that ease and that comfort as in like, hey, I'm here to help you. And I cannot do that. I look terrifying in the thing. The thing that Mickey's referring to is the gear that she and other providers have to put on before and while interacting with a patient. Emily Zimmer, a current patient care assistant, sometimes known as a PCA, at Yale Hospital, talks about what it's like to get ready with that gear. We're trying to go in the rooms as little as possible, so we're trying to do everything that we need to do all together in one time that we go in there. And then obviously if any patient needs anything, we'll definitely go in there, but we're trying to kind of limit the exposure for everyone so that everyone can stay safe and keep their families safe. So basically you'll definitely need like the gown. I would wear two gloves just so that when I take off my dirty gown, I'm still wearing a clean pair of gloves. I would have an N95 respirator on and then a surgical mask over that and then a face shield. And then usually you would wear something over your head like to cover your hair as well. One of the biggest reasons that providers have to wear all this personal protective equipment or PPE is because the virus is incredibly contagious. So to protect themselves and their loved ones, they must do everything they can to make sure their body is covered to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And that can be one of the scariest parts of working in medicine right now. So it's definitely nerve-wracking to be in this position, especially living with my whole family right now. My family is definitely trying to be supportive. I mean, my parents are worried about me getting sick or anything happening to me too. So they're like kind of against me going into work right now. But luckily, I don't have to be back until May. So I have some time off right now. But yeah, I've been being really careful. So when I go to work and I come home, I basically have a whole other set of clothes in the garage. I leave my clothes in my shoes. I put everything directly in the wash. I shower before I touch anything. And I just try to keep my distance from everyone as much as I can. Nikki talks about a similar experience that she's having. I think the biggest part is that fear of, oh, did like my glove slip a little and then did I touch my face by accident? And like wondering if we contaminate it ourselves. So I walk in to my garage and my whole family knows I'm home. So they go into like their separate rooms. I walk into my garage, totally Lysol, my entire body, all the equipment, my phone, everything I brought in. And then I take off everything I wore, go to the shower, and then go back down with like a clean pair of gloves, take everything, put it in the wash, decontaminate again with Clorox wipes and everything. And then since I started working during this, I wear my N95 at home whenever I leave my room to try and protect my family. Dr. Kiona Thompson is a former medical student at Michigan State University who's about to start her full-time practice in Los Angeles, California. She talked with me about the importance of taking these precautions for ourselves and others. We also talked about how it took the government and society as a whole a long time to really implement these cautionary practices, considering how long the virus has been around. I think one big challenge that we've had to face in um, in medical school and in the health profession in general, or even on the wider community level, is the delay in accurate information from our government. For example, at the beginning of this pandemic, I think the first week in March, we had a monthly meeting with physicians in the area, and we were talking about a topic in medicine. And this was a whole day-long event. There was about 100-plus people in the room. During lunch break, I had this public health doctor come over to the group of medical residents and medical students and ask us, how is our institution kind of protecting us during this time? And she made a very interesting comment that 
we are two to three weeks behind what we should be doing. So whatever the government is telling us now is delayed information and we should have been doing it three weeks ago. I found that really scary, but as this pandemic has progressed, I found it to be very accurate. For instance, the mask, like the CDC was not recommending that we wear a mask out in public. And about three weeks or four weeks later, they're like, everyone, if you're going out in public, you need to have a mask. A surgical mask is fine. A scarf, anything to wrap to cover your nose and your mouth you should be using when you're out in public. And it's like, how is this now just now a recommendation? Despite these experiences, seeing people's conditions rapidly worsen, fearing the possibility of contracting the virus, seeing the lack of accurate information being reported, and more, Dr. Thompson says that medical professionals are trying their best to get the correct information to everyone in a timely manner. You know, we want to be like the voice of reason and when the media is kind of blowing things out of proportion or not portraying things accurately, we want to be a source of reliable information for the community. So at the beginning, there wasn't much known about COVID-19. And at that point, you started to hear some of like the self-hygiene steps that people can take, continue to wash your hands. But at this point, we as healthcare providers, you don't want to be alarmist. So as the, as the pandemic progressed and we started to gather more data and more information, things became more concerning and the public is just freaking out at this point. Like everyone's like buying N95 masks and toilet paper is like, you can't find it anywhere. So for me, having the advanced knowledge in medicine and respiratory pathology Having that and then seeing the public's reaction to this virus is really, is really interesting for me to kind of balance the two. Dr. Thompson also talked about the importance of communicating medical information, especially during a pandemic, in a way that's effective for everyone. The linguistic side of delivering medical care is also important. You have to be able to share medical information and treatment plans in a way that the patient can understand. So I saw a lot of miscommunication in that way, which led to poor adherence to the medical treatment and just poor health outcomes in general. Being a practitioner who can work with and communicate with people from all different parts of life is important to Dr. Thompson and other practitioners. The whole thing in medicine is to be a good clinician, to be a good practitioner of medicine, you not only have to treat patients who look like you well, but you have to be able to work with people who are different from you and treat them just as equally. That is kind of a really big principle in my own practice is to give everyone the same level of care regardless of their background, their religious beliefs, or their sexuality. So equality is really big for me and I think for a lot of other minorities in medicine. Emily also talked with me about being a provider who seeks to understand the patient holistically and provide them with the care they deserve, especially when they are working their way through a virus such as COVID-19. Obviously, the patient is really scared and nervous as well, and so you have to treat them like any other patient just because, you know, they have this, you know, disease. It's like you have to kind of treat them like every other patient. You have to kind of empathize with them because if you are in that position, you would want people who are really caring around you and comforting to you as well. Nikki talked with me about the pressure of being the person caring for a patient during a very challenging time and the impacts of that. We see people on the worst day of their lives, which most likely turns into some of the worst days of our lives. Understandably, witnessing trauma and pain and having a lot of responsibilities to ease those feelings while also taking care of yourself can be mentally and emotionally draining on the lives of providers. It seems like that has only heightened during this pandemic. 
I definitely noticed a change in the emotions of people, especially the other PCAs and nurses, everything like that. People are definitely really stressed and nervous and sad. A lot of the nurses I work with have had to kind of give their kids to either their parents or a family member to take care of just to kind of keep them safe. So people are definitely pretty sad and nervous about that. In the same video feature by The Atlantic that I mentioned earlier, Nicole Quinn, a critical care nurse in New York, talks about the mental and emotional toll that being a medical care provider during this pandemic can have on provider lives. I am in a lot of moral distress because I'm not able to help patients the way that I'm accustomed to. I'm simply just trying to mentally stay well enough to take care of them and keep, keep them alive. So that has been a very great moral dilemma for me. As students, sisters, daughters, granddaughters, general society members, and providers themselves, Emily, Nikki, and Dr. Thompson understand how incredibly challenging it can be to have multiple roles in society while also trying to process what's going on. But they have found a way to do so. Nikki talked with me about the importance of being mindful of your thoughts. For me personally, I think it's been pretty similar to how it was before the pandemic, just with maybe an increase in frequency on the amount of times I have to tell myself you did everything you can. Because I know a lot of times emergency medical providers can start spiraling and thinking, oh, what if we got there 30 seconds earlier? What if we did this instead? What if we got to the hospital two minutes before? And that's a super, super dangerous path to go down. And I know like I've personally done it. I know my coworkers have done it. So I think honestly being self-aware and like checking your thoughts is super important to properly deal with it. Emily has found that movement and exercise have been helpful for her to process her experiences. So I've been loving the Peloton app. I don't have a Peloton, but the app is free for like three months. So I've been doing a lot of the workouts on there that are led by their instructors, which have been awesome. And I've also been doing some of the Yukon workouts, and it just makes me feel a lot better to just kind of work out and do something nice for my body during this time while I don't have the gym or anything like that. Dr. Thompson has practiced self-care in a few different ways. I've been in quarantine since mid-March, and I was finishing up medical school, so at this point I was, like, exhausted, and I took pretty much from mid-March to mid-April to finish up my med school requirements and just rest. Like, this has been a great time for me to increase the amount of sleep that I'm getting at night, uh, focus on my diet just allow my body to rest. I kind of tried to listen to what my body needed and it wanted rest. And so that's what I did for about the first month of quarantine. And now coming into like the second half of this um, quarantine, I feel like I feel more inclined to focus on a more holistic approach to wellness. So I am trying to feed my creative side a little bit more. I, my my mind and my body wants to do creative work, so I'm giving it that time. Now that we have the time, I'm giving my mind the time and the space that it wants to create and just trying to do things that I feel will make me happy in this time. And I've noticed a lot of my classmates doing the same things, picking up different hobbies. My sister, who is also a pre-med student, she picked up a new hobby in digital art. So she's learning that skill. I'm focusing more on my Spanish and social media and all of that. So I think this is a great time for people to do what they think will make them happy. I think that's, I think that's a good overarching theme to have when approaching quarantine. Emily, Nikki, and Dr. Thompson also spoke on the importance of community. Here's Nikki. 
we've always been that support system for each other. Emily shared what that looks like amongst medical professionals today. Something that's helped so much is when I do go to work, everyone around me is obviously going through the same thing. And there's just such a nice sense of like overwhelming support from our staff going out of their way to make each other happy and just kind of like lift each other up during this time because I think we can all tell that we're all pretty anxious and nervous and stressed. So it's really nice to have awesome people to work with that just kind of like lift you up when they can tell you're a little bit down or stressed and things like that. Dr. Thompson is thinking about community in terms of public health. I think that this pandemic has highlighted how important public health is and community health and how policy plays a role in everyone's daily lives. And so I think one thing I would like to say to the public and my peers is to be cognizant of the policies and the policymakers that you support because it has an impact on everyone's individual lives. And I think COVID-19 has really done a good job in highlighting how health is not the sole responsibility of the individual and the society that one lives in must also take responsibility. And so just taking that concept and applying it to public education and public housing and different social determinants of health, I think that concept is very applicable. And I would like people to kind of keep that in mind as we go forward. Because COVID-19 has exposed a lot of flaws in our society. And I think we can take the lessons that we've learned from this pandemic and apply it to our societies and our communities to become stronger after this. So I pray that we'll make it through this pandemic and have a stronger future because of it. With that being said, Dr. Thompson also has a special message for students in the medical field and otherwise. This is a graduation season. A lot of people graduating from high school, college, graduate school, medical school, professional school, master's programs. Like this is a huge season and this is gonna be a big year. It's 2020 and it's really sad that we're not able to be with our faculty and our mentors and our friends who have supported us along the way. But at least in my case, I am very grateful that I will still have my family around me for graduation and to experience my last day of medical school. And so there is that silver lining that even though it's not the way that we wanted it to be, I do find comfort in knowing that I'm still able to be surrounded by my family and I hope others are blessed to be in that situation as well. So yeah, just a tough time for us all, but we're alone, but we're in it together. Well, that's all for today. I want to thank Nikki, Emily, and Dr. Thompson for talking with me about what it's like to be in the medical field as a student and professional. I also want to give a big shout out to every single person working on the front lines of this pandemic. You are seen, you are heard, your work is appreciated more than I can ever put into words. If you haven't listened to Alicia Keys' most recent song called Good Job, please take a few minutes to listen to it. That song goes out to each and every one of you. Once again, thank you. In the next episode, Olivia Barberi, senior at Boston College, will talk with us about not having a traditional graduation day and postgraduate plans. Danielle Gertner will talk with us about checking your thoughts and control. I'm your host, Jemiah Bennett, and you just listen to Expect the Unexpected.